Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at the Jackson Correctional Institution. All calls, other than properly placed attorney calls, may be monitored and recorded. To accept charges, press 1. To refuse charges, press 2. If you would like to permanently block your number from receiving calls from this, thank you for using CenturyLink. You may start the conversation now. Welcome to the Incarcerated U.S. Podcast. I am your host, Dante Cadillan. Good morning, I'm speaking to Mr. Doug Cardinine. He's a University of Oregon professor emeritus, and he's the author of two new books entitled Saint Badass and How Love Wins. Good morning, Professor Carnot. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me to join you. I'd like to thank you for taking the time. Um, my pleasure. Uh, I, I have a couple. I have a couple of questions I'd like to ask you to to get your perspective on some of the components of mass incarceration in America. But but before we get to those, let's talk about let's talk about your books. Well, actually, my experience with mass incarceration comes from um, the, the letters. I've written over 700 letters to several prisoners. Most of them have been convicted of murder. Uh, many phone calls, a, a, a trip to Arkansas to Tucker Max Security, Maximum Security Prison. And through these relationships, I've come to see how these men have been led to believe that they're trash, deservedly ignored and despised by society and abandoned by family and friends on the outside. And I've seen the destructive force of prison, not just the loss of freedom, but the humiliation and degradation. It comes in many forms. They eat breakfast at 3.30 a.m. and dinner at 2.30 p.m. The arbitrary raids that take them up, take away their few possessions and leave what's left scattered around the cell. Attacks by gang members, spending time in the hole, and never again touching a loved one. But out of this traumatic setting, what I've found is through our partnership of mindful kindness, that tremendous good can happen in prison, can come from these men, and through this, they gain self-respect and a feeling of potency through their ability to give kindness in small ways and great ways. Uh, let me give you an example that, that is quite significant. Um, St. Badass is the moniker for Roy Tester. His father sexually abused him over a several-year period. Uh, with his mother's full knowledge. So he had a deep hatred toward child molesters, yet after being part of our Mindful Kindness Partnership for about two years, he wrote this to me. Quote, Much as I used to hate child molesters, called Comos in prison, one time the guards put one in with us. When I realized what was up, everything went deadly quiet. I knew these two guys were fixing to pop more holes in a sieve in this little geeky nerd-looking dude and slice him up, so I got off my bed and went straight to him. When I got in his face, I said, you sick como maggot piece of blankety-blank, I'm going to kill your blankety-blank ass, and slapped him and said under my breath, run for the door, they're going to kill you. They locked me up for assault, but I didn't care because those two killers would have killed him. So Roy was sexually molested as a child, 
and actually was in prison for murdering his parents. He ended up in the hole for 30 days for saving the life of a child molester. A few other men convicted of murder joined our partnership, and one by one they used kindness and mindfulness to turn their lives around. So this is a book of inspiration about what people can do in the harshest of circumstances, and it's also a lesson to the reader about why we have so much to be grateful for, because we don't have the problems that these men do. So the juxtaposition of the destructive forces of prison and the incongruously continuous acts of kindness take the readers of this book on a remarkable journey as they become intrigued with the horror of these men's upbringings contrasted with their growing concern for the well-being of others. So, for example, Roy knows he'll never get out of prison, and he's experiencing increasingly almost unbearable pain from a broken back, hep C, and rheumatoid arthritis. So we don't have much small talk in our conversation because his life is so painful and so much on the edge. And I often marvel at how he could endure it. He can't write now, can barely hold a book, or as he said, I can't wipe my own ass. He was frantic for treatment to save his hands, and at times he'd lash out at the medical staff for not giving him the medicine that had been prescribed. Right. But to be able to share at a distance his struggles, which I don't think I could do as well as he did, is to peer directly into the heart of darkness, but from a safe distance. So readers of the book are allowed to participate in struggles to birth kindness in every part of this living hell. So that's St. Badass. That's about my right. friends who are in prison. And then how did you, how did you, uh, uh, what inspired the interest? I mean, how did you meet these guys? What, what inspired you to, 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 to start corresponding with them in the beginning? Well, uh, I've been in contact with these men for almost 10 years now. And it was about, and I'm still in contact with them, and I think this is important, because the book ends, but these men's life and our partnership does not end. So my website actually has a blog for each of these friends of mine okay. so that people who are interested in them can see how their lives continue. But, but how did I start? Well, about 10 years ago, my daughter was home for a visit and was reading this very, very long letter and would come out of her bedroom with tears running down her cheeks. And it was from a prisoner describing his life and what had happened to him, and it was Roy Tester. And Roy wanted to know more about Buddhism, and he asked my daughter in the letter if, if she knew someone who could answer his questions. Well, I'm a lay minister in Buddhism, so I said I would answer his questions, having no idea at the time that there were 700 letters to come, a trip to Arkansas, right. and even a book. Right. Okay. Okay. And, 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 and when you, and, and throughout, the, throughout your entire correspondence, what was some of the most, uh, most shocking, most profound thing that you liked about prison that you didn't try, you didn't know prior? Well, I'm just there, there are many examples. Let me give you one. A prisoner I'm writing 
who uh, is l- losing his vision, he's going to go blind because the prison refuses to give him the medicine that, is, that the ophthalmologist pre- prescribed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the cases where a warden promised one of my friends that um, his behavior had been good and he was going to be able to leave isolation, but when they did the official committee review, the warden overruled the recommendation of the committee and was going to keep him in isolation for another year. Okay. So there's endless examples of arbitrary, cruel treatment that, again, degradate and humiliate and take away the humanity of these men. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, 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 and obviously, I mean, I've been like that for a long time, and I can definitely, uh, I can, I can definitely attest to that. I've seen it on numerous occasions, and it's, uh, it's universal and, um, extremely too persistent. Um, so I, I definitely respect the fact that you, uh, that you've seen it, and that you're willing to, 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 to speak about it, to write about it, and to, uh, uh share your journey. Um, so I appreciate it as a man in prison. Um, now, please give us a, an overview of, of how love wins. Well, how love wins is actually a, a how-to book, but I call it an us-help book because the point is that if you're going to be mindfully kind, and that means you're going to mindfulness is the idea that you're going to get out of your head and start paying attention to what other people need and what right. you genuinely need yourself. So, mindful kindness is a way to approach life, and How Love Wins is a detailed self-help, us-help book. And it's an us-help book because you can't be more kind unless you're involving other people. So I'm using How Love Wins with my friends in in prison in a each-one-teach-one strategy. Now, the each-one-teach-one strategy grew out of slavery. When a slave would learn how to read, he'd teach another slave how to read. Right, right, right. So, so my prison friends are using the book How Love Wins to expand our mindful kindness partnership. So one-on-one, they're going through the book with another prisoner. So How Love Wins is a step-by-step way to how to change your life and how to make mindful kindness a central part of your life. Okay. Okay. And, and, and it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a method that, that, that um, can be utilized by simply having the mindset, by simply uh, indoctrinating your actions and, your, and your, your spirit and your energy with that intent. Yes, that's exactly the case. And, and, and where, uh, uh, for those, for, for, for our, to our listeners, where, where could the books be, uh, where, are, where are they available for purchase? Oh, the books, uh, How Love Wins, The Power of Mindful Kindness, and St. Badass, Personal Transcendence, and Tucker Mactel. Both books okay. are available on Amazon or through a local bookstore or a library in some cases. Okay. okay. Now, I'll make sure I, I post those on my podcast. Now, a question. Now, and, 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 uh, and, 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 and this is a question I'd like to ask. Um, because I think it's I think it's kind of important, and you kind of touched on it a little bit in the beginning. But um, how, how would you how, how would you how would you describe how would you explain um, how mass incarceration has had has had a personal impact 
on you. How would you, how would you describe the personal impact of mass incarceration? Well, I think the personal impact for me actually comes from realizing that the 2.2 million people who are in prison, each one is a person that has hopes and fears and mistakes, just like people on the outside. And so the fundamental purpose of Think Badass and How Love Wins is to get people to recognize the humanity of people who are in prison. And that, I think, is an important step to build public support for changing the incredibly inhumane and ineffective prison system we have in this country. Absolutely. And, and I agree with that 100%. Uh, it, it, it kind of builds a bridge to empathy. Um, and without yeah. that empathy, without that empathy, it's just um, it's it's just it's going to get it get colder and colder and harder and harder for people to uh, to connect uh, when it comes to these issues. So I, I, I definitely I agree with that 100%. Yes, it's built. You're right. It's building the empathy that's so important for changing public sentiment. Indeed, indeed, and, and it's the public sentiment that 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 time that that uh, um, uh, structures and designs public policy uh, that 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 designs uh, the, the the politicians that push the legislature. It's so important the way uh, citizens view these issues have a direct impact on the laws and the policies. So, so influence in public opinion is definitely uh, extremely important. Yes, and one of the things that in in reading about the uh, the causes of mass incarceration, that um, you know that the reading that I've been doing is that the way to change it is to look at some of the things that are very, very, very inefficient and ineffective. Um, for example, yeah, long prison sentences. Um, if you look at the National Research Council report that they're, they're ineffective financially, socially, in terms of the human cost to the prisoners. Yeah. So they need to be revised because keeping people in prison for a long time makes no sense because as people age and spend their later years in prison, it's very unlikely they leave and commit another crime. So it's, it's inhumane to have them in there. It's too expensive to have them in there, and it doesn't benefit society. What do you what do you believe that what do you believe that 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 that, that inclination came from? Well, that 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 motive that that what, what do you what do you think that came from? Because it, 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 it it's, it's obvious that it doesn't work. So why why do you believe it's persistent? Well, what happened was when I was looking into the, the history of the increase in incarceration, is there actually was a period of uh, increasing crime from 1975 to 1991, and the prison population went up. But here's what's strange. Between 1991 and 2010, crime steadily declined, and the prison population kept going up. So there's something odd going here, and I just read an interesting analysis that said that district attorneys have shifted their treatment of offenders in a very significant way. So, for example, it used to be that the possibility of a felony charge was one in three. 
But during this period from 1991 to 2010, while crime was declining, district attorneys were pushing more aggressively for felony. Right. So that, and so you've got this strange phenomena where crime is going down, and yet district attorneys are becoming more and more aggressive. And maybe it's because being a prosecutor uh, had more status and, and it led to political ambition. Other than properly placed attorney calls, may be monitored and recorded. Please continue. So, so if this interpretation is true, which is in addition to the obvious disastrous drug on, uh, war on drugs, um, how do you affect DAs around the country who really operate independently from county to county? And I think that takes us back to this notion of public sentiment. We've got to, we've got to educate the public about the humanity of prisoners and we've got to educate them about the ineffective and wasteful policies that we have now that harm humans and harm society because money could be spent in other ways rather than uh, the mistreatment and unproductive long sentences that we now have. And, 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 and you're right. I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you 100%. It's, and, 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 and there's been people that's been trying to, to educate the public for a while now, but for whatever reason, it's, it's difficult. Um, yeah. It's difficult. And, and, and so why do you think it's so difficult? The stigmas are, it's like the stigmas are really deeply rooted in the public. Um, and, and, and I'm sure the media and a lot of other things play a part in that, but it's a, um, it, it, it seems like it seems like it's a it's a it's extremely difficult um, thing to try to accomplish when it comes to trying to change the public's opinion about men and women in prison. Because when you look at when you look at people in prison, from my experience, you got a lot of you got a lot of good people that did a bad thing. But, right, that's right. But but, but that so but these people, they, they, like you said, they're human beings and they. They have families and they have they, they have dreams they have futures, uh, but but uh, the attempt to relay that to the public and get the public to understand and empathize as opposed to fearing them is I, I think that's the agenda and it's it's it's, it's a it's, it's kind of difficult. Well, what would you suggest? Uh, what's your opinion regarding uh, being effective in in battling or transforming and struggling against that that that? Um, those stigmas and changing the public opinion. How do you how do you suggest that we do that? Well, I think that we have to somehow engage the media more in telling this story so it's heard more wild, widely. Because right. there's really two stories. One is the inhumanity, and the other is the waste and ineffectiveness. I mean, everything points to changing what's going on. Personally, right. I'm doing the little bit that I can through these books and trying to get the word out, and you're doing your bit with this podcast because this Absolutely. is one way to educate you people. You have one minute left. Absolutely. About Absolutely. the futility and, and harm that we're currently doing. And one of the things in the, the closing that I want to just mention briefly in terms of prevention of, of crime, I'm the president of a nonprofit that trains parents all over the world who've neglected or abused their children. And there's a lot of science that we know that we can help 
adults move away from using force and violence in child rearing to go to positive support, to do problem solving, to monitor their children? Unfortunately, unfortunately, Professor, our time is up. It's far from the hang-up. So we got a lot more conversation to be had. So I would like to invite you on again for part two. I'll get to you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Bye-bye. This is Don Tate signing off with the Incarcerated U.S. Podcast, the place where all of our voices come together. Thank The caller has hung up. Thank you for using CenturyLink.